Heavenly Father, it is such a wonderful privilege to be able to gather together as your people and to be able to hear your voice, the voice of the living God, through the pages of the Bibles that we have before us. Lord, we pray that we may not be ignorant people here this morning who do not want to listen to your voice as it does speak to us, but may we hear it and then want to put into practice what we learn here this morning. May we be all the more strengthened for being here this morning and be able to be more faithful to you as your children. Lord, we do also pray if anyone here this morning is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you may open their heart to the truth of the gospel. May they know who Jesus is and what he has done for them if they repent and believe in his name. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, why do people go without food? For many people throughout the world, the reason they go without food is because they don't actually have any food. They don't have the food that they would like to eat if they had it before them. In Australia, people rarely go without food for that reason. We have an abundance of food in this country. We are very blessed that we have food readily available whenever we desire to eat. Now, of course, there are times when we do go without food. We choose to go without food. And it may be because a particular type of food is lacking. That always happens uh, at different points in our household where there's only one chocolate left. And so someone has to be the gracious person and forego having that chocolate so that the other person can have it. And usually my wife, being the very gracious person that she is, is the one who says, no, Joel, you have it. I will go without so that you can enjoy that chocolate. We do that at times. We go without food so that someone else can benefit if food is scarce, a particular type of food is scarce. Um, But... People do go without food for another big reason in our country. A massive industry is built around the whole idea of weight loss and how to avoid food, how to lose weight. Because we have so much food in this country, we have this perennial problem of putting on weight. And so many people will skip food or skip particular types of food because they want to lose weight. What about going without food for God, for religious purposes? Is that something that people do? Do people do what is called in the scriptures as fasting? Do people do that? And should we as Christians fast? Are we people who should avoid food for God's sake? Well, we're going to look this morning at a passage in Ezra chapter 8 about fasting. We've been going through Ezra quite slowly And we finally come to Ezra chapter 8, verse 21, where we see the Israelites begin to fast before they go on a long journey. I encourage you, if you've got a black church Bible, to have it open to Ezra chapter 8. It's found on page 468, page 468. Ezra chapter 8, and we're looking at verse 21 through to verse 23. How did we get to this point? I should give a bit of a recap as to how Ezra has gotten to this point of wanting the Israelites to fast. Well, basically, the book of Ezra is about the exiles returning to the land of Israel. How did they get into exile? Well, of course, uh, if I go right back to the beginning, they they got there uh, through sinning a lot in the land of Israel. If we go right back to the beginning of the Bible, we see that um, how did the Israelites get there initially is because Adam and Eve were there in the garden. Adam and Eve eventually had children. They Those children had Children and children and children. You get Abraham. Abraham had a grandson called Israel. Israel had uh, 
from his descendants come the 12 tribes of Israel. Those 12 tribes of Israel end up in Egypt. Egypt doesn't turn out to be the, the most crash-hot place for them. They end up in slavery there. From slavery, they then get released into uh, eventually the land of Canaan. But there they sin a lot. And because they sin a lot there in the land of Canaan, God sends them into exile into Babylon. And then they spend some time in Babylon, and then God graciously allows them to return. And that's where the book of Ezra picks up. Ezra chapter 1, verse 1, we see King Cyrus releasing the exiles to go back to their land. And they come back in one wave, and then they come back in a second wave under this guy Ezra. Ezra doesn't actually show up till halfway through the book. He's the second wave of exiles coming back, and they're just about to leave. They've been given permission by King Artaxerxes, And they're now about to head for the promised land. And before they go, what do they do? They fast. In verse 21 of chapter 8, it says, There by their harbour canal I proclaimed a fast, so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. Here we see Ezra and the Israelites deciding to fast before they go back to the promised land. But is this just Old Testament history? I mean, we're, we're people of the New Testament, aren't we? We're Christians. Is many things in the Old Testament we don't do today. Is one of those things fasting? Should we go without food like Ezra did? Or is that something just in the Old Testament? Well, no. We see in the New Testament that fasting is a practice for Christians as well. We see Jesus speak a lot about fasting. He talks about when you fast, just like he says in the, in the same uh, sermon, he's talking about when you pray, when you give to the poor, and then he says when you fast. He expects that you pray, he expects that you give to the poor, and he expects that you fast. He gives particular commands then about how you should fast as well. And then we see in the book of Acts, Christians repeatedly fasting at other points as well, going without food for special reasons. So it clearly is a Christian practice to go without food for God's sake. So if we are to fast, why should we do so? Why should we fast? I think fasting for Christians, particularly in Western churches, is something that has, is not spoken about much. I don't hear many people talking about fasting. Maybe everybody does it so secretly that I don't actually find out about it. Um, that may be the case. Everybody is fasting on a regular basis. Or it may be that we don't take advantage of fasting when we probably should. And whether there are good reasons why we should be fasting. And that's what I want to look at today. Reasons why we should fast and what those reasons may be that Ezra fasted and how we can learn from his example for when we should fast, when we as Christians should go without food. So the first main point this morning then, the first reason we should fast, is you should fast from food for humility. If you've got a bulletin there, you can see my main points on the back page. I've got five main points this morning. And my first main point, first reason why you should fast, is you should fast from food for humility. And we see that in verse 21. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21, we read, There by the Ahava Canal I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. We see there, Ezra fasts, why? So that, always note those two little words, they always give a reason, so that we might humble ourselves. They need to humble themselves before they go back on this journey. They want to be humbled. And how do they humble themselves? By going without food. 
How does going without food make you a humble person? Well, there's at least two reasons that I can see why going without food humbles us. We all have a pride problem. Humans love to think we're wonderful people and we're capable people and we're independent. If you want to be humble, just go without food for a number of hours or for a couple of days and you will start to realise how dependent you are upon food, how frail your body actually is. It is amazing that you cannot go six hours without starving. You know, that your body is starting to really cry out for food, that you're not as independent as you'd like to think you are. You don't get power from the sun. You get power from food. And if you don't have that food, you're going to start to realise how frail your body is. And that's a humbling thing, to realise that you're not as independent as you might like to think you are, that there are things in this life that are absolute necessities for you. And if you don't get them you're going to die. And that's a humbling thing to realise. Also, fasting humbles us because I think when you go without food, it brings out the sin in you. We sometimes like to think we're pretty good people, that I'm not such a bad sinner. I'm not as bad as many of the people that are shown in the Scriptures. I'm not as bad as many of the people around me. I don't really struggle with my sin. I've gotten on top of most of those sins that I struggled with maybe when I was, before I became a Christian, but now I'm okay. Will you try going maybe 12 hours without food and then interact with whoever's readily around you? When you've got a bit of a thumping headache, a gnawing knot in your stomach, and someone comes across your path and doesn't necessarily antagonise you all that much, but just says something, it may even be something nice, and you just take it the wrong way. And see how gracious, kind and a forgiving creature you really are. Food can bring out the sin in you. A lack of food can bring out the sin in you. Food can bring out the sin in you as well, in gluttony. But a lack of food can really draw out the sin in you. If you think you're such a wonderful person and you think you need to be taken down a peg or two, you need a bit of humility before God about how sinful you really are, go without food and see what happens. See whether there is sin still deep down in that heart of yours when you begin to interact with people if you've gone a couple of days without food. So fasting is great at humbling you. Any other reasons to fast? Well, my second main point this morning is you should fast from food for great needs. We see here in Ezra chapter 8 that there was a great need that the Israelites had, and that's why they fasted. We see in verse 21, There by the harbour canal I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. They needed a safe journey. They were going on a four-month trip back from the land of Babylon to the land of Israel. And it was a long journey and they needed safety. They had particular concerns about their safety, health concerns. I mean, they say we needed, uh, uh, we needed a safe journey for us, for themselves personally. That, of course, going on a long journey like that would be difficult physically. Uh, they didn't have planes. They weren't going to catch a plane back. They weren't even catching a bus or driving back. They were walking back. And this is in a time before the latest technologies and shoes had come along. It was going to be a hard journey, a long journey. They'd probably get very blistery feet. They would, of course, struggle with exhaustion. 
There was going to be a long, hard physical journey. And so there was health concerns in going on that trip. And also, not just for the adults. What does it say there? They weren't just, it wasn't just a bunch of adults going. It says there in verse 21, for a safe journey for us and our children. And the word for child there in the Hebrew is a child that often is used uh, for little children, really small children. They're taking little kids on this trip back to Israel. And that means danger for little children, particularly without all the technologies that we have to look after kids today. There weren't regular hospitals on the way just in case a kid got sick. It was going to be a long, hard journey from a health point of view, but also if you've gone anywhere with kids on a long journey, it starts to get troublesome. And kids start to run off and do things that they shouldn't be doing. It was going to be a hard, long journey, and so they need those kids to make it there in one piece. And then what else do they say that they need the safe journey for? With all our possessions. They're not going back to the land of Israel with not much in their wallets and so they're not in danger of getting robbed on the way. They're going back with a lot of cash. We actually see how much cash they have in, um, in just terms of what was going to be put in the house of God in verse 26. Look at Ezra chapter 8, verse 26. It says, I weighed out to them 650 talents of silver, six silver articles weighing 100 talents, 100 talents of gold, 20 bowls of gold valued at 1,000 darics, and two fine articles of polished bronze as precious as gold. Now you may be saying, oh, well, how much is a talent of silver? Well, the NIV has lovely little footnotes there. If you've got a black church Bible there, you can see you drop down. This has a little letter A after 650 talents. You drop down, and what does it say? That is about 25 tons, about 22 metric tons. That's a lot of silver to be transporting around. And that's just the silver there. They've also got silver articles weighing another 100 talents, and then they've got 100 talents of gold. That's a lot of gold that they're taking back as well. And then they don't even, and they've got these two fine articles of polished bronze as precious as gold. They've got some real treasure going back with them. And they're going through an area that is not well policed at all. They're going around, uh, around a desert area. And that was well known for lots of bandits to be there because they'd come out of the desert. They'd rob caravans that were passing through and then they'd disappear into the desert again and no one could ever catch them. Bandits were a real problem in those days and this is a very rich caravan going with a lot of people who are uh, uh, probably elderly and then you've got kids as well. It would have been an easy target for bandits. And so there's a great need for safety because they've got so much wealth with them as well. So what about you? That's the Israelites. There's a great need that they have, a safe journey. What kind of needs could you fast about? Well, it'd be about the big dangers that you have in this long journey we have before you go to heaven, if you're a Christian. We have a long journey here on earth, and there are many dangers here on earth that we struggle with. We can fast about health-related concerns, just like these Israelites were fasting about health-related concerns on their journey. We have different health problems. It's not as though man has evolved and we've somehow eradicated all disease and illness. And so we still struggle with illnesses and we can fast about those illnesses. If we've got a particular problem, you can go without food as one of your needs to show God that you're humbling yourself before him, that you're petitioning him 
to help with that particular need. It can also be with spiritual health concerns that you have. The major decisions that you have make in life can affect your spiritual health, and so there are things that you should fast about. What church you go to, you can fast about. You can fast about uh, sins that you struggle with. You can fast about what spouse you will marry. Because, of course, a spouse can affect so much of your spiritual health. Those are big decisions in life that you can fast about, big needs that you have that you can fast for. And then, of course, you can fast for other people. These guys were fasting for children, remember, as well. For children who probably weren't taking part in the fast. I wouldn't recommend kids fast. But as they get older, of course, they should look into it. But I'm sure the adults here were the ones that were fasting for the children's sake. And I was listening to a minister talking on this text in America, and he was talking about the need to, for Christians to consider fasting for abortion in particular countries, for the little children that are killed on a regular basis in the womb. How many Christians actually fast in concern for the laws to be overturned so that children are protected, very little ones, who cannot fast at all because they aren't even eating with their mouths? Have you considered fasting for other people and the great needs that they have? And of course we can also fast about our possessions, just like they were fasting about their possessions, that they would have safety there. You can fast about material needs that you may have. You may need a new job. Have you fasted that you will get that job that you need so desperately? There are many things that we can fast about in this world that are of great needs as we journey towards heaven. But why should we fast about these things? Is it that God will be gracious to us? Why should we do these things? Well, God has given us this spiritual weapon of fasting. And we should be utilising it because God loves to bless the humble. Remember when we fast, it humbles us. And God loves to bless the humble. In 1 Peter 5, verse 5, it says, All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Peter then says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. When you humble yourself before God, God loves that, and he loves to show grace to those who are humble. And if you fast, it will help with your pride problem, humble you before God, and he, in due time, Peter says, will lift you up and lift up those needs that you have and grant those needs to you. All right, so we've seen one reason to fast is because it humbles you. Another reason to fast is because of the great need we have. A third reason to fast is so you have time for prayer. That's my third main point this morning. You should fast from food for prayer. The Israelites prayed while they were fasting. What does it say in verse 21? There by the Ahava Canal I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. And then we see down in verse 23. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. Prayer and fasting go hand in hand often in the Bible. When you hear about fasting, you also hear about prayer. Why is that? Why is prayer so closely linked in with fasting? Well, because major needs need major time in prayer. And where are you going to get the time to pray about the needs that you have? Well, one way to free up time in your life is to go without food. In the time of Israel, fasting would have freed up a lot of time. 
They didn't have microwaves. They didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have gas connections and electricity connections that would just help with the food cooking process very rapidly. No, it took a long time. Lots of different steps with lots of time invested to make a meal. And so if you skip a meal, what happens? All that time that you spend preparing the meal is freed up. And what do you use that time for? Prayer. You can use that time that you would have otherwise spent eating and preparing to eat in prayer. And it's the same today. We still spend large amounts of time preparing and eating food. It is not as though somehow technology has has benefited us and so we still eat what the Israelites would have eaten without their gas and electricity connections. Our palates have changed and so we require good food. We don't settle for stuff that is easy and quick to prepare. We want good food. And restaurants have signs up sometimes saying, good food takes time. And we're prepared to take that time so that we have good food. And so we still spend a lot of time in preparing food and then eating food. But if you fast, you skip those meals... You will have time freed up in your life so that you can pray about those concerns in your life. You have a major concern you don't know, and you need to pray about it and you say, I just don't have time in my life to pray. Skip some meals. You'll have some time then. You can't find time in your day to pray? Skip some meals. So much time in our lives is invested in our stomachs. And we can free that time up if we invest it in prayer instead, by fasting. So we've seen we fast to get humility, fast for great needs, fast for increased time in prayer. Any other reasons? Well, we can also fast for God's glory. And that's my fourth main point this morning. You should fast from food for God's glory. And that's really behind all the other points, but I wanted to draw it out in a point on its own. We see that in verse 22. Ezra says in verse 22, I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road because we had told the king the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. We see here Ezra was ashamed to ask for help from the king because he had made great boasts about God. He had said... Our God looks after us if we seek him. If we go against him, well then, yes, we do get condemned and punished. But if we seek him, we'll be safe. He'd made great boasts about God. And if he didn't make it back to Jerusalem in one piece, whose name would be tarnished? Ezra knows that God's name would be tarnished. That Artaxerxes would say, oh, well, obviously that God isn't as strong as Ezra said he is. They got robbed on the way. All that stuff, all that gold that they had, all that silver, all gone. Why? Because their God isn't strong. That's why. And so Ezra knows God's glory is at stake. And same today with many things that we do, we've got to remember what's at stake. God's glory. And that's particularly when it comes to sin in our lives. When you sin... And it's public sin that other people see, a sin that you struggle with. You bring dishonor on God's name. When they know you're a Christian and you struggle with that sin, and many non-Christians hate that sin as well, they see that being a Christian isn't the way to be because obviously 
The God of Christianity doesn't change lives. The God of Christianity doesn't help with that sin. And so what should you do about particular sins in your life? Have you considered fasting about them? Going without food. So you've got more time in prayer to humble yourself and also because you know God's glory is at stake. We should tackle the sins in our lives with every spiritual weapon that God has given us. And that should include fasting as well. So we've seen four reasons for fasting. Humility, a particular need that we may have, a prayer, time for prayer, and God's glory. Now I want to make clear just here at the end a reason not to fast. Why we shouldn't fast, something that we shouldn't fast for. And that's my fifth and last main point this morning. You should not fast from food for atonement of sin. You should not fast from food for atonement of sin. I've said you should fast for great needs. That was one of my points. And what greater need has man than atonement of his sin? We all have a sin problem and we have a wrathful God who is all-powerful and hates sin and will punish us for the sin that we have, have committed. We need that sin to be atoned for. We need that sin to be made up for. How do we make up for that sin? Is it by fasting? Many people think that. Some religions teach that. You've got to fast to make up for the sin in your life. And we see even in the time of Israelites that they had this idea. I'll read to you from Isaiah chapter 58, where the Israelites say, Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? God hasn't seen our fasting. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? And then God says, Yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. The Israelites were thinking, if I fast a lot, I can go around punching my neighbour and it's all okay. That, that time I hit my neighbour, it's okay because I fasted. My sin is made up for. God says, no, that's not how it works. Fasting does not make up for sin. So what makes up for sin? What makes up for your greatest need in your life, the atonement of sin? Well, it's only Jesus Christ that makes up for your sin. It's only Jesus' death at the cross that pays the penalty that you owe for sin. No amount of fasting, no amount of skipping meals will make up for sin. Only Jesus' death of the cross, where he was on the cross and your sin was put upon his shoulders and he bore God's wrath in your place as a substitute. That is the only way your sin can be paid for. And I encourage you, if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, to... Consider accepting Jesus' death, his payment for sin, through repentance and faith. Through repenting of your sins, saying, I'm sorry to God, yes, I am a sinner, and I know that I can't make up for my sin. No amount of fasting, no amount of prayer, no amount of giving to the poor or other good works will make up for it. It only Jesus Christ. And trust that Jesus Christ died for you at the cross. That when he was hanging there, your sin was transferred to him and his righteousness came over to your account. I encourage you, if you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, do that now. Say sorry to God in your heart and believe that Jesus Christ died for you. But if you are a Christian, I ask you, do you fast? Have you 
fasted in your life? If you have never fasted or rarely fast, why is that? Has the culture of this world, our Western culture, influenced you so much that you think you will die if you miss lunch? That you need three meals a day or you will pass away? It's sometimes broadcast to us so heavily that we think that we must not miss a meal. Why have you never fasted? Is it because you don't think you need humbling? That you are okay? You are fully aware of how fragile you are and you're fully aware of how sinful you are. You don't need to be brought down a peg or two because you're already at the bottom. Are you already so well aware of your sin that you don't need to fast to see how sinful you are? Is it because you currently don't have any great needs to fast for? There's nothing in your life that you need to fast about. If that is the case, well, talk to me afterwards and I might give you a few needs that you might want to fast about. The need of the gospel in Dremoin. Fast for the people of Dremoin. Have you ever fasted for the people of the suburb that this church is in? That's an enormous need. Have you ever fasted for that? Is it because you have ample time for prayer? that you don't need to fast. You've got lots and lots of time that you spend every day in prayer, and so you don't need to skip a meal so that you can spend time in prayer. Is that the reason you haven't fasted? Fasting is a marvellous weapon that God has given us. Do you make the most of this weapon, this spiritual weapon that God has given us in your life as you walk before him? Let us speak with him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what your word teaches us about how we are to live before you and how we can come before you and pray to you and know how we can please you. Lord, we pray that you may give us great wisdom when it comes to the subject of fasting. It is something that is so rarely spoken about in different Christian circles. But Lord, your word speaks about it and encourages us to fast. We pray that we may make the most of this spiritual weapon. May food not be the number one concern in our lives, but may you be, and may this be evident by the way that we will skip meals to beg you for mercy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.